Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Side, a podcast under the Believe Podcast Network about black science fiction, fantasy, and staying on the same page in our marriage, baby, baby. I am one of your incredible co-hosts, Amber Wallen. And I'm Ben. You're so cute. All right, anyway, for those of you who didn't know, we will be today talking about the TV series, The Underground Railroad. The Underground Railroad is both a TV series and a book. The book is written by Colson Whitehead, and the TV series on Amazon Prime is directed by Barry Jenkins. Just so you know, before we jump into anything, we want to tell you there will be spoilers. There will be blood. (laughs) I just wanted to... I just want to say that we are breaking this down into two parts because some of these are just really long, drawn out episodes. And we, we want to give you time to watch all of them. So we're just covering episodes one through five. And once again, there will be spoilers before we jump into the episode. Baby, how you doing today? What's your cute self? I am great. I ran a race, but then afterwards I used some CBD oils for adult performances oh my gosh you, you're spilling all the secrets okay and, go on and they're still a little tingly you're peeing yeah i mean it, it's really funny though that cbd lube is sort of a thing like i Ron, know ronald reagan would be rolling in his grave with his war on drugs and stuff but i hope he is i hope he fucking is which is a i mean he's a inheritor of slavery which is a big part of what we're going to be talking about today. Let's get into first impressions. What was one of your first impressions? You don't want to know how I'm doing? I know how you're doing. Because how am I doing? Damn. <laughs> not you Not you assuming black voice. Not you POVing black women. Go well, ahead. I know, but with that CBD oil, oh. I know you're probably doing pretty good. <sighs> well, I'm blushing. Well, you can't see my blushing because I'm black, but I, I'm... I'm flirting with you as a little bit. But I, I do want to say this. This is not a sponsored ad or anything. I got that CBD lube from Vivid Wellness, and uh, they're just great. I, I got it. It's if, if you're into wellness and natural things, just get get yourself some of that CBD oil. All right, I'm, I'm back on the bullshit. So this next part actually isn't bullshit. It's my favorite part, a segment where we read your Apple Podcast ratings. Ready, Ben? I don't care if you're ready. Here we go. We got two new Apple Podcast ratings. The first one says, love it. I was following Amber on TikTok for a few months, and I didn't know they had a podcast until I seen her forcing Ben to promote it. I love this podcast. Def, one of my favorites. Thank you. Um, their, their name on here is a bunch of emojis, but it's like nail polish, sunglasses, money, hearts, hearts, and like an eye roll. We love it. And here's our next review. It says, my new favorite couple from Skipper D. I found you guys on TikTok, and I think you're hilarious. Your podcast is awesome, and I'm so glad you mentioned it on that platform you're so insightful and funny keep it coming i can't get enough amber and ben so thank you so much for sending those ratings as promised we will be reading them on the air and i'm gonna keep making ben uh embarrass himself and post to the tiktok to remind everybody about our show okay let's jump in let's talk about this incredible series because it's it's heavy yeah what was your first impressions so I'm going to break this down twofold, right? Prior to watching this, I'm thinking to myself, like, if I never see another slave movie again, I've seen enough, right? Like, I, I never thought I would be watching another slave narrative in 2021 um, because there are so many stories that we can tell, and we keep going back to this one. And then I watched it, and I was I was pleasantly surprised about how the nuances and uh, the story arc, and I, I really have been enjoying it. Of course, there is a lot of brutalization of black bodies, but it, it didn't feel like slasher. It didn't feel like 
I'm just like tormenting these black people because it's funny, <clears throat> them on Amazon Prime. So I really enjoyed learning new things about slavery. I mean, obviously it's a very dark, tormented past, but Barry Jenkins really gave us some new things. Like there was, um, we'll get to this, but there's sort of, I've, I've talked to Ben in the past about how there are multiple plantations. Obviously there's like the literal plantation where people are like picking cotton in a field. And then there's this other world where black people are still not free like today modern day this is a different form of a plantation and in one of the scenes there's sort of this like moving museum that black people are forced to like reenact slavery in and it's just so strange and and there are things that make you think like wait did this actually happen or not so i'm i'm curious about what your first impressions were we'll we'll talk more about that narrative later yeah all these slave narratives just leave me hating white people especially white people who are not willing to accept that slavery is evil and or or another thing is it made me think of this quote by the u.s senator tom cotton where he a white white senator said um you didn't have to say that he was a white (laughs) senator he said he quoted the founding fathers saying, you know, as the founding father said, slavery was an, uh, a necessary evil to start this country, you know? And I just think in, in my head that if you need slavery to start America, like is America the country that should still exist? You know, it's almost like, oh, if, if countries need to destroy populations or um, make subservient a population for it to exist. Should we have nation states? Is sort of the question I kept asking. Made me think of uh, this uh, this uh, other guy, this Alabama judge, um, Roy Moore, who eventually was like ousted for sexual misconduct. But he he had yeah, they he, go hand in hand yeah. typically. Yes, yeah, but he had this whole thing where he said something along the lines that you know I was about slavery times that. You know, I think it was a great time because families were united, even though we had slavery. They cared for one another. People were strong in the families. Our families were strong. Our country had a direction, talking about the times of slavery. Wow. So him being okay with slavery because gay people weren't allowed to get married married was his whole point. Yeah, this Senator Roy Moore. I I missed. This uh, Judge Roy Moore in Alabama. So his point was sort of looking fondly back at the times of slavery because families were together. Because families are torn apart now because of gay people. Yeah, because of gay people and divorce and all that other. Wow. Yeah, so so it, it sort of just made me... <laughs> what a reach. Yeah, and also it just reminds me that... I think the U.S. has not dealt with slavery. We simply... Ha- we just we have, have not. not. We, we have, have not, not dealt with it, you know? Like even, and it's just inherited to Jim Crow, which inherited to the war on drugs, which inherited, you know, to the prison industrial complex, which inherited to, you know, with the great migration, the ghettoization of cities and redlining. Like this is the inheritance, you know, but I, I didn't tell you this, but when we went out to brunch today, I walked past this millennial and he was wearing a hat that said, uh, with an American flag on it, it said proud American. And I like want to just smack it off his head, and you know, like whatever. You just have to be careful what kind of white people you're hanging out with after you watch this kind of stuff, because there's always that white person who's like, "Well, yeah, but you know, there's freedom of speech and all these other things." And I'm like, "Okay, fine. I'm just not 
into patriotism. I just don't know if there's a healthy form of patriotism. And this show sort of left me with that because they, they, you know, that at the end of every episode, they end with a song, a modern song besides episode five that I remember, a modern song that sort of reflects on what happened yeah. in that episode. Talk to me a little bit about, um, cause you know, this, for those of you who might be new to the show, typically we do, like highly fantastical or highly like magical scientific things and you you sort of ben is really brilliant and great at picking different content for us um because this is his genre and he's all about it but this was more of an alternate history so i I, I do want people to go in i mean we've only done five episodes but this isn't where like sort of um you won't see anything sort of technical and mathematical and scientific in that way i think you will it's okay. the, the whole idea of the Underground Railroad is the fact that it was built underground by yeah. black folk. Like that is a technological advancement, a subway, right. this subway that expanded multiple states. I mean, that's pretty amazing and pretty, you know, fantastic, well, you know, scientific in some extent. And this would fall under alternate history, as we'll talk about in episode two. And so alternate history is just a great way at looking back at history and imagining a what if. And Colson Whitehead is a huge nerd. He's written a zombie novel. He wrote this like weird urban, like um, I think a, a, like a new weird type of story in 1999, which we I read for uh, the, my classic science fiction book club called The Intuitionist. And it would have been nice to have that made because we, as you said, we keep on going back to slavery, but uh, we'll discuss that later. I, but, think, I feel like I've watched a slave movie every year since yeah. I was in, you know, a kid. Can yeah. I ask you a question? What, when was the first time you heard about the Underground Railroad? Uh, I think with Harriet Tubman, I watched a, a movie called A Woman Called Moses, probably fourth grade, third grade. And what was the impact? Because I'm sure we had two very different experiences. Uh, that she was a hero and was like led by God, you know? Oh, that's cause that's how it was taught. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, it always just left me really confused because I remember learning about Robert E. Lee and that how he was a godly man because there's a movie called gods and generals and all the, all the Confederate generals in there were Christians and they talk about their faith in this movie. And it was mm. just very, very confusing um i think later to be like oh these these people are actually wicked you know yeah but you had to sort of explore that on your own it wasn't introduced to you that way right so when when was your first time that you heard about the underground railroad um i think i was in second grade because i've i've told you this story before but like i came home to my mom and was like i want to be a slave like today our teacher told us about <laughs> you know these workers that built america and they they built this whole country and they were so brave and whatever. And my mom was like, what did they say? She was like, they tell you anything else. And I was like, no, they were, and they were led by a woman, a woman named Harriet Tubman did all of it. And she was like a CIA agent and all these things. And my mom obviously broke down to me like, well, Africans were stolen from like, you know, mm -hmm. from, from the slave trade and on it. And obviously I was mortified and devastated and I was so traumatized by anything with slaves in it because I thought that this was going to happen again, as I've said before. Um, I, even I remember not talking to my white friends on the playground the next day because I was like, you knew this happened, didn't you, Katie? 
And she was like, I was learning about it like you. I didn't know about that. Like, it was so, it was like drama. It was like tea on the playground in second grade. And I just like legitimately did not talk to my white friends for like a week or two because I was so traumatized. And I think schools and parents and teachers need to go in on a whole body conversation about like our next unit is slavery and we want to teach it in a very like trauma informed way because it's very jarring to learn about that as a kid and learn that you're descendants from this trauma. You know, you saying that makes me think the fact that I knew that uh, the slaves in America were black, but I didn't knew they were slaves because they were black. I think people mm. sort of miss that part of the education. Yeah, because they don't talk you through Africa on, or yeah. the coasts on. They talk you through like, yeah, Robert E. Lee, like like that was the start of the civilization or whatever. Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into each episode. So the uh, first episode titled chapter one georgia hey gang gang well i mean i'm from georgia but this is not a happy moment but you know you gotta rip so the story follows cora whose mom mabel escaped and she is sort of rebellious cora we find out very early and there is a slave there caesar who's just arrived and he wants cora to join him as he tries to escape and the end of the first episode is them escaping. Uh, part of the reason Cora, who is f- at first like unwilling to go, but part of the reason she does decide to go is that there is a slave, Big Anthony, who tries to escape earlier in the episode. He's caught and like brutally murdered. He's murdered in this spectacle way. Yeah, he's like burned alive he's, like a, a witch, like yeah. Salem witch or something yeah. like that. And uh, that episode ends with Cora and Caesar deciding to run away. So what did you think about that first episode? Um, I know we got a lot of episodes to get through quickly, but I'll keep it. So I'll keep it short. I mean, you know, Barry Jenkins, he's moonlight. He's incredible at what he does. And I think he, he took us, he, he makes us just uncomfortable enough to where we're not closing our eyes. Mm. Um, so he so we're looking we're uncomfortable we're holding our breath but we're still like I need to watch this and I think that I don't know like we we've seen the brutality of slavery but I I think I saw new brutalities and new ways in which like these white people really saw themselves as a different species than black people like that like when they're sitting at dinner while someone's getting whipped and it's just like playing in the background along with violins like I don't think I've ever seen it in that way like I've seen it as like everybody get out here I want this to be a big spectacle we're watching we're all cringing like but but for a slave being burned and beaten to be the backdrop of a, a supper time was true like oh these people are actually seeing black people as subhuman which of course they do but th- those were the times that that sort of set the tone for like the rest of the series of how they're they're not cringing and they're not upset because they're they're thinking about this people as animals that that just pure dehumanization or 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 new things like taking seeds from certain like I, I know she's she took some okra seeds when she left like those are things those are those like little nuances that I didn't consider when it's like oh yeah what are you going to eat it's freezing how do you survive during mm-hmm. winter the the thing that sort of showed me in this episode because we get a whole range of slave masters. We get this brutal, brutal slave master, Master Terrence, 
and then we get his brother, Master James, and they both co-own this land. And Master James is a little bit kinder. He lets his slaves sort of like play around. And I remember learning about Robert E. Lee and being like, well, he was good to his slaves or George Washington. Well, he was good to his slaves. And there are moments of that. Like, that's what Americans are taught. There were like good slave owners. They taught them how to read. Yeah, there were good slave owners and bad slave owners. And that is just baffling to me because there's this scene where Master Terrence, who's the evil brother, is having a conversation with one of his guests. I don't remember. And the guest is appalled, right? The guest is like, I cannot eat my meal while this is happening. Yeah, while this man is being flayed alive. And you're like, oh, like this person had some sort of ethic, but at the same time, he is culpable because he is at that dinner table. He is still receiving the benefits of this. And at one point, you know, when Big Anthony is um, set on fire, which, by the way, every slave who is introduced in this story is um, uh, named. You know, like they're named and they're referenced again in some way and thought about in some way. And so when Big Anthony is like, you know, set on fire, this person who's at the dinner table gets up and like walks away and, you know, doesn't want to look at it. And I just keep on thinking that those people are still culpable. Yeah. You know, Um, I was also thinking one scene that was really jarring was, um, Again, this this show, we, we, we binged it one through five, but it, it is hard to binge. I do want to say that. Um, but one other scene that really took me aback was that, like, obviously slave owners wanted to, air quote, like, have their slaves breed and produce because then you get babies and that's free labor or whatever. But, like, this one master was, was watching those practices. And so it was just truly like you, we are subhuman to you, that you feel like – you get to pair us off based on our physical stature and now you get to watch us have sex or watch us like like forcibly like rape not caesar raping but this whole orchestrated like when you're is it called rape when you're forcing one person to rape another person like that that third party is a I, i don't know i think the monstrosity of this obfuscates like any type of ethics right the the monstrosity is the slave owner the monstrosity is what was going on i mean even from the very beginning there's a scene where a little boy is like whipped to death yeah you know like this is and this was just a fact it was accepted maybe you weren't the one doing it but it was definitely something that happened we're also introduced to uh ridgeway the slave catcher who brought back big anthony and um, this little boy, a black child, Homer, who is dressed as like a like a full-grown adult man, even though he's like eight years old. And so there's some sort of weird thing going on here. But the whole first episode is beautifully shot. There are scenes that you see that are um, explained more fully in like episode three or four as well. Yeah, Barry Jenkins handled everything that he did with care and so that's why it didn't feel like things that we've seen before so in chapter two um basically caesar and cora they escape and they actually go through an underground railroad and they end up in south carolina in this town called griffin where in griffin uh black people are treated sort of 
in a more equitable manner. They're provided education. They're allowed to have earnings. They're allowed to go shop in Black-only spaces, of course. And um, this whole episode, basically, we find out that it is an experiment in which they are experimenting on the men and giving them these vitamins that are used to see how strong their bodies can take it or how how much their bodies can take. And then uh, they're also... How much pain. How much pain can. their bodies can take. And then they are... They're, they're tying the tubes of women like- so that they can no longer have children yeah so you you notice right away that this town has no black children but all of the black people there are just like young adults or older so they are they're playing with uh a different form of genocide yeah and there's this great scene where um ridgeway at one point who the slave catcher the slave catcher who brought back big anthony he now wants to go and get cora back and he also has a personal vendetta because Cora's mom, Mabel, was the only slave that got away from Ridgeway. And so he follows her to South Carolina. And there's this like ridiculous scene where Miss Lucy, who's in charge of educating the women, um, all for the betterment, quote, quote unquote, the betterment of Negro life. Like that's her whole thing. And she's doing this in this really insidious way. And Ridgeway calls her out on it. Because she's sort of like, you're a slave catcher. You know, Miss Lucy being this white woman who thinks she's like helping these poor degenerate souls. And, you know, at at least I'm not killing them, even though I'm taking away their fertility and I'm running experiments on them. But at least I'm not killing them. And so there's this whole moment where Ridgeway is like, well, I guess we're in the same business and just calls her out. And that scene, right? Like, first of all, this this episode really hit me because this shit is still fucking happening. Like, of course. Even, like, virtual charter schools, which were these whole experiments where they just put them, like, in front of computers in front of black kids and were like, go learn. And they just tried to see if kids could learn without a teacher. You know, like, and it, the experiment failed miserably. But yeah. we still do that with charter schools and these experiments, these this new curriculum. Like, what the fuck? Like, that still fucking happens. I appreciated this episode because we think sometimes, like, wow, it's so horrible when police kill black people, which of course it is. But we don't think about, like, think about the little things that you do every single day that ultimately attribute to the killing of black people. Like, like that's the conversation that we don't have. When you, when you steal ideas from black creators, that is a form of killing black people. That is a form of taking someone's livelihood. That is a form of taking up space. Or when, you, when black people are displaced from their homes and you're gentrifying a neighborhood. Like, all of these little acts are acts of violence against black people and black bodies. I think this episode did a really great job of sort of exploring that, which is why it's like, for me, going back to our earlier point, that's why it didn't feel like this is so sci-fi, this is so otherworldly is what I probably should have said because it, it's like this is like I know that white woman that thinks she's doing a great job and she's the principal of the school but is still reinforcing white normative like identity stripping assimilationist practices. Like how are you any worse? Like like shooting me or telling me I'm too black or I'm excessively black, those are forms of trying to kill me. This episode was so powerful because we're like, okay, Caesar and Cora are finally safe. Like Caesar knows how to read 
as well. And he's been reading Gull- Gulliver's travel throughout episode one. Yeah. And he's hired and sort of brought in by the doctor and encouraged to like use his brain. And Caesar is so excited. He's like, finally, for once, I can use my brain. And you, you sort of give in this sense of safeness. It just made me think of like times that you found yourself in, Amber, where you're like, oh, I'm safe around these white people or in this white space, and then something will be said, and right. you're just like, fuck. I don't think I've ever said, like, I'm safe. I've been like, they they all right for now. Like, you're, you're yeah. just always sort of like, I mean, I've done that with you. I'm like, you're, you're cute. You're, I'll keep you around. And they're, I mean, I, I want everybody to know, like, if you're in a interracial relationship, they're, your partner is going to fuck up. And if you're in a, you know, two black people relationship some partner is gonna fuck up and say something and it's, it's it's all about like how can we have these meaningful conversations like it's i mean like not racially you know but i've i've been in lots of relationships with black men before and something misogynistic was said and it's like they're they're going to be fuck ups and we have to be able to have conversations about this because if we can't ha- if we can't converse it this is not going to work I think whenever there's like in partnerships that they're going to be fuck up. Yeah, like whenever there's a power imbalance or a political power imbalance, whether you're an ally and you're a cis person dating a trans person, like you are going to say something transphobic at some point. If you're white dating someone, a, a person of color, you're going to Period. say something That's racist. That's what I was trying to say. Did yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I eloquent. Yeah, I, I was eloquent with it. But I, I know what you're saying. Like you're going to say something racist if you're a man dating a woman you're going to do something misogynistic it's inherently in our dna as a society to create these kinds of power structures that seep into us and then come out at random times like it it's just a nature it's a thing and that's the thing that sort of frustrates me when people are like unwilling to admit well white folk in general my my people 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 are so unassuming they'll be like but ben's so nice like how could he possibly it's like when Ben's y- a white man, y'all. He's yeah, well, to fuck some shit up. Yeah, or specifically going to say something racist. Yes, yes. Specifically. Yeah, let's get specific. Yeah, I'm not going to tell the specific racist things that I've said, but you. It, it's. I mean, obviously, it's never been like you know blatant, <laughs> but there. But it's never been covert, in my opinion. But those. Yeah. But there are the wait. Which one? It's never been overt. Hmm. But there are those like subtle ways that you know something will happen. I'll be like. Uh, you know, can everybody leave the dinner table? Let me talk to you. You know, it's, it's just be to make to keep it. Or light. like even earlier, where you mentioned something about blushing. It's okay. like did, like I could see myself being like, "Oh, Amber, did you blush?" You're like, "Well, I don't blush," but you know, there oh, okay, there are yeah. like little things like that. Be, there's a spectrum. There's a there's a whole spectrum. It could be as tiny as that, like recognizing like, "Oh, that black people or or, or darker people don't blush," right? And there's this assumption that you blush if you're embarrassed, where actually some people can't show that as an outward sign. And so when you use that in literature or language, it can sort of isolate an entire group of people. And that's like minuscule, but I'm saying like to that that extent. And that's like what I kept on thinking about with Miss Lucy in this episode. Can I say something really minute before we move on to the next episode? It'll just be... I think you are more obviously aware of these little subtle things. Like even when I make our HelloFresh meals, there's like a white hand doing all of the steps. And it's like even Mindy Kaling is like 
one of the faces of HelloFresh. And it's like, this is an Indian woman who's like one of the big faces and names behind this brand. And yet and still like the step-by-step instructions are like this little dainty white hand, you know? And even yeah. as even if I'm doing something as simple as like cooking a meal, I'm reminded that like this isn't for me or this, I'm, I might not be their target audience. And I think every day I'm just showing you new light to those things. All right, chapter three, North Carolina. And this is where the power of speculative fiction really comes into handy because in North Carolina, in this alternate history, black people are outlawed. They are not allowed, so you can't use them as slaves. And so the people who have um, been replaced as the slave are the Irish people, which mm -hmm. is a, a fact. Like the N-word used to be described to Irish people as well, to yep. black people. And sort of we're brought here because Ridgeway at the end of chapter two has found out where Caesar and Cora are and uh, goes to them and sort of captures Caesar, but lets, uh, but Cora gets away and is able to get into the Underground Railroad and ends in North Carolina. And the each station has a station agent and the station agent on, in the Underground Railroad, Martin, says, I, you can't come out. You need to stay down there, and I'll put provisions down there. You can last as long as you want. And Cora, at this point, is traumatized because she's lost Caesar, and she's lost, oh, we didn't mention this, but Lovey and someone else who ran away, Lovey, and she's traumatized. So she's like, no, you're not leaving me underground in the dark with food and all this. So she... Martin's like, okay, if, if we do this, you need to listen to me. And he brings her into this like small hyper-religious community who has like these rituals in which they sacrifice black people and yeah, uh, for sport it, and it, spectacle. It's awful. Ooh. And so Cora ends up hiding in their attic for most of the episode with another um, a, a little black girl, Grace, who's been up there for God knows how long. And it's like, uh, this is just no way to live. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And sort of that's, that's that episode. What did you think about that episode? Well, I, you, you can't help but think about this episode as like the Holocaust. Um, when, you know, Jews had to be hidden in people's floorboards and attics and because of the persecution of Jews. And, and it, it just, it rings so true that like we have our own Holocaust that has never been taken as seriously as you know that holocaust and and so i think barry jenkins did a really good job of trying to see like this like there are so many parallels here because i'm sure that happened I'm, you know it, it it might not have been just like as strict as that but like like cities completely outlawing black people but like i i know places in georgia now where if a black person came in town everybody would be like what what you doing here like mm -hmm. so it's 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 really hard to watch and um in, in the ways that we sort of haven't seen it with holocaust movies they show just like the toll the physical toll it takes on a person who has to be in hiding it's like my teeth are falling out i'm coughing up blood you know i'm 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 having to defecate in a a bucket. We should have put all the trigger warnings at the front of this um, episode. I'll, maybe I'll go back and put those. But 
it it just got really hard to watch. You, you're you're watching them in this attic and this crawl space, and you're holding your breath with the characters. It's a claustrophobic episode. It is a claustrophobic yeah. episode. Uh, there are small religious communities now. I was thinking about um, Elohim City in Oklahoma that okay. are like isolated communities that are awful and like white supremacists like these communities that Mm -hmm. are shown in this episode in episode three still exist in the united states yeah right like uh, there's a scene in which they have a book culling and where everybody goes and like burns their books and i was telling you know i was telling you that i did that growing up very religious that i burned certain kinds of books that were considered like non-christian books or like dvds wow do you remember any of them Uh, i think someone i don't remember what i put in there I don't, I don't know if I actually put in anything, but I went to one and people put in the movie American Beauty. I think someone put in a, oh. Harry, uh, a Harry Potter book as well. But we, I, we did our own book callings. This was like Christian youth group. Oh, my So, gosh. yeah, I mean, this stuff is it's part yeah, it's of our new. zeitgeist. You know, it's still or our, our, our American zeitgeist. Did you ever go back and see American Beauty, Ben? I did. It's good. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, Kevin Spacey's not, but it's good. <laughs> before we, we end this episode... Uh, there is constant talk in this episode about how this is God's vision of America, like this pure white America. And um, never heard that before. Anyway, it's a very, very intense episode because Martin, the abolitionist, has put himself, his whole family in danger. And the episode ends with, again, Ridgeway showing up and finding out where Cora is and capturing Cora killing rid uh, killing the abolitionists like just shoots them brutally in the face and setting the house on fire um well the, the house is set on fire and the girl grace is killed off yeah. camera which I, I'm, I'm glad a lot of the violence in this even like the sacrifice happens off camera it, the it sort of cuts sort of yeah and barry jenkins does a really great job of um making us walk through the story like Cora where we'll have these moments of hope it's like we're moving up we're going from state to state and we as a viewer experience conditions going from bad to worse and and we as viewers are like thinking to ourselves like wow we should have stayed on the plantation picking cotton because living in this crawl space is worse like living in a space where you cannot see the sun every day could potentially be worse like there are times where we would sort of walk through it with as her Hmm. did did you feel that experience that for sure so episode four uh chapter four the great spirit we sort of get ridgeway's background which i love when a character or a, a filmmaker can take uh i love when an author or filmmaker can take a villainous character because ridgeway is just brutal beyond all imagination and we're sort of seeing his background and he grew up with a father who refused to have slaves and believed in the great spirit and how the great spirit sort of incorporated everything and his uh, father was a blacksmith and hired freedmen and ridgeway is sort of a terrible blacksmith and so one day he goes to town, young Ridgeway goes to town and discovers these slave catchers and helps them because he knows the land around there, helps them catch a slave, and he gets this money, and he uses this money to buy, like, these really nice coats. And his father sort of sees his son 
the young Ridgeway sort of fall away. You know, it's sort of like when you raise, uh, you you hope to raise a child in the path that they should go in this ethical matter. You you surround them around people who are good and kind, and it turns out that Ridgeway was just almost like destined to yeah. be evil. Like it, it, it plays with this idea of predestination. So yeah, what you, you think about this episode? What, I know we're like both getting emotional. It's it's heavy here. We're also we're both sweating. I that so I want to say two things. The first, seeing Ridgeway's story really grounds us in this like naive teenage boy who like thinks he's so right about life and just wants to get money quickly. It it, it was it was similar to looking at a high school kid who resorts to selling drugs like it really is you're like one day you see somebody with a big fur coat and you're like how did you get this and they're like you want to see come with me on a on a run on a drop and then you blink and you're a drug dealer and or you you know you're a duffel bag boy or whatever you want to call it so and that was the first time me and ben started really having conversations about the business that exists the business and the economy of slave catching because that's a whole industry that we never, when we have conversations about slavery, we don't talk about like, do you know that slaves running away from plantations and then people having to catch them is a entire supply and demand business model? Like if the, the, there was never a time where these slave catchers did not have slaves to catch and people to catch people to torture and kill and and was turning them in like bounty hunters and I could pay my full rent and mortgage off of the business of catching people in the way that I can pay my whole mortgage off of the business of trafficking bodies or things like that so that was really you know just something that we I, that was my first time looking at slavery through that lens and sitting with that and also seeing Ridgeway's backstory reminded me very much so of uh, Octavia Butler's kindred with the with the kid Rufus this this Ridgeway was also like redheaded as well ish like a dirty redhead and um like sandy redhead I should say and so it, it, it was interesting like to have read the book kindred and to see like wow Rufus you were raised by these like very kind like black women and black people and like air quote mamies and you just still turn out to be this like evil child to black people which is like so counter to what people try to show us in the media like when i think about the help it's like that whole story was about like these black women raised us like how dare we mistreat them it's but it's like emma stone's story about like discovering that I shouldn't be rude to these black women that were air quote the help and it's like where there are no Emma Stones like we we grow up and treat our nannies people of color like shit we think we're better than them like that's what y'all mother not we what y'all motherfucking do and so that that whole movie was just strange but I, I know that's like a lot of initial thoughts about that but take that with what you what you want babe well there's this line where they talk about how America is the land of opportunity. And I kept on thinking about like America, again, America is built on slavery. It was built on the economy of slavery, yeah. which means that everyone North and South, even uh, the old Ridgeway at one point you see him, he's a blacksmith. You see him like making chains at mm -hmm. one point and yep. you're like, are these chains going to go into the economy of slavery? Maybe, maybe you're not, but everyone had skin in the game when it came to slavery. Yep. And it's it, like, you're no better. You make shackles for a living. What do you think these shackles are used for? Yeah. So you don't buy slaves, but you, you're a part of it. 
the the one scene that reminded me a lot of conversations that I hear today is where young Ridgeway is talking to his father and he says, you know, um, yeah, but like slaves who run away who didn't earn their freedom, they're lazy. Like he, he goes into this whole rant that you have to work for your freedom. Yeah, this whole like bootstrap because says, yeah. work just work hard for things. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's that idea is so permeating of like the reason these ghettos exist and you know the way that the reason the sh- Chicago South Side is, is not as you know elevated as, as the Chicago North Side is because the South Side is lazier or whatever. Like that oh. that is a narrative that is still being fed to us that Absolutely. people still fucking believe that. Absolutely. And it again like this, this I, just, I see that every day online right. it'd be like well, if these mothers would just stop wearing bonnets to school to pick their kids up right that if, if if they would just care a little bit more about how society sees them it's like so i'm sorry a mom comes to the school and picks up her kid and she's dressed differently probably because she has a million fucking jobs she's dropping her child off on her night shift and and she's an active parent in this child's life and you're still unhappy because you're racist. Like I'm not taking my bonnet off for you for what? Mm. For what? Why would I come up, do my hair to get my son's like teacher's approval or whatever the fuck? Like I, like this mom is working hard. Like what do you want from her? I hate that. There's, there's just been like a lot of recent talk on, on social media about like ladies stop showing up wearing bonnets. It's like, I fucking showed up. Fuck you. Yeah, so <laughs> chapter four is called The Great Spirit. I and love bonnets. Next chapter. And Ridgeway, young Ridgeway, really wants the great spirit, right? And it's I think it's sort of implied at the end of that that his father sort of sees him as someone who will never have the great spirit. And that really bothers Ridgeway. So chapter five, Tennessee Exodus. Cora has been recaptured. And she is thrown into this wagon next to a um, another uh, captured slave, uh, Jasper. And Jasper has sort of, um, at one point, I think Cora says, like, you know, she's lost. He's lost it in the head. So Jasper only sings hymns. He's just singing these these hymns throughout, and um, and we're sort of going through Tennessee at this point, but this is at a point in Tennessee's history where they had started to burn like all of Tennessee. So it literally looks like the road. Yeah. Uh, Cormac McCarthy's uh, The Road. And that's the feeling of it. It's pure desolation. Yeah. And I was like, this, this episode was the episode that I think I found the most disturbing. It's not gruesome. It's not violent, but it's very slow. And just visceral. And visceral. And there are like shocking moments of violence. And you see Ridgeway as at one point, I thought he was like lawful evil because he believes that slaves should be slaves and that this is, I, I don't, Ridgeway is like a complicated villain. Because he goes back and forth between like this chaotic evil and this lawful evil, and also like caring for and entrusting a little black child, Homer. It, yeah. It's so bizarre. It's so it, like Homer's story is very bizarre because Homer is the one who found originally found Cora as well. Yeah, he he finds Cora every time. Yeah, and th- there's some sort of I think sort of magical realism going on here as well, some sort of connection, 
and the camera there are long moments of this where the camera just zooms to them like eating like in this wasteland so yeah what what do you think about the wasteland episode tennessee because it's not the tennessee we drive through <laughs> right with the great smoky mountains and everything um I, I just want to say that Jasper, uh, played by Calvin Leon Smith, is probably one of the most incredible actors I've ever seen. And we, we've had some conversations before about, I don't know what you call it, ethical suicide or when you mm -hmm. choose to die um, yeah. your own way and you take ownership of that decision. And so we sort of, you know, spoiler alert that we've already given, but Jasper sort of has decided to take control of his own destiny by starving himself um, because he knows, like, Ridgeway isn't going to get paid if he's dead. So he has found freedom in, like, I'm going to starve and kill my own self so that this white man can never, he, he can't be a part of this business if I erase myself from this narrative in in a very corny way. I just said that. But um, it's so interesting to watch someone who looks like a shell of a man, like you see his skin and bones because he's malnourished, he's starving himself, but you also see just so much power and uh, determination in his eyes. And it, it really reminded me of all of the slaves that jumped off of the ship uh, during the transatlantic slave trade and said like, I would rather drown than be somebody's property and how we should find um, nobility and admiration in that. I, I don't think I'm making any sense at all, but. oh. No, I think you are. I think you are. The The fact, like, sometimes it takes courage to kill yourself. Yeah. Like, it's not an easy way out or whatever. Yeah. How people look at suicide sometimes. Yeah. I mean, um, people are like, suicide is a is a sin or whatever. But in actuality, if you are in a desperate situation and you make the conscious decision to take your own life, and I think there is an, a gray area there. I don't think it is black and white. And yeah. this, it was a powerful decision. There was this conversation that Cora and Jasper have because at one point Cora again thinks that Jasper is stupid. Yeah, like air quote funny in the head. Funny, I think yeah, I think she says funny in the head and he's just been hiding it. And so at one point they have this conversation where Jasper says, No, Cora, you're funny in the head because throughout this entire episode, Cora keeps on trying to run away. Like any point she has, like mm -hmm. she will try to run away and we're sort of the core too we're yeah. like we're hopeful because yeah. barry jenkins has made us sort of walk through the story as cora um and it it's like you the same result will happen over and over again and the fact that cora like continues to try i mean cora is just completely badass and there's at one point where she does try to kill herself she tries to walk into the river uh, where at the be the first scene, I think, in episode one, shows her standing by the river, in which episode five, we see her trying to walk through. And it is a haunting, like, chilling scene um, because there's, like, flashes of her with her mother, like the night her mother ran away, like, holding her, and sh she's sort of being propelled back in time through her memories. And that was just mm. absolutely haunting. I, th this, I mean... There's not a whole lot of like funny parts at all. No. There's I don't think there's <laughs> I really don't think there's any, but there was yeah. one where there's this other um slave catcher with Homer and Ridgeway. And this Bozeman. Mm -hmm. Bozeman. That's the same. Bozeman. And Bozeman 
knows about Ridgeway's desire to like connect with the great spirit and Bozeman sort of insults him like when he's get really drunk and he's like you'll never find the great spirit and Ridgeway just stands up takes out his gun and like shoots the other slave catcher in the face yeah and, and you're just like him. what the fuck like R- Ridgeway basically almost goes insane in this and he's like trying to shoot and kill his way into heaven and yeah like, what the- <laughs> you don't even understand what the great spirit is because you're just you're so far gone yeah he also talks about the land being cherokee land and i i think it's fascinating that they call it the great spirit because in so many ways like american um like you know indigenous people they still are part of our land like they're still here like like elements not only that, but they're so part of American culture in both like insidious and harmful ways, like whether it's the naming of a football team or the naming oh, of cigarettes, God. right? Or like you go into certain places and they'll like have these wooden statues. It 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 haunts America, but I don't think it haunts America in the right way. Right. And so in this episode, there's this talk about the Trail of Tears and Cherokee land because Ridgeway talks to Cora, like refers to Cora as it pronounces it which is what's done throughout but then talks to Cora as like a totally like sane viable intelligent person and yeah. it's just it's so disturbing how people were able to silo off their interactions like I'm going like for example he he's a slave catcher Ridgeway's a slave catcher but he doesn't he doesn't have the gut he says i don't have it in me to own a slave so when i first bought homer i immediately drew up his slave emancipation his emancipation papers. papers and let him go but homer just follows him so we sort of get that background and there are just like elements in this story that are borderline like, absurd but, but like but that's why you chain him up every night when he goes to bed you remember that yeah and and um but what happens the response is homer Homer says he can't go to sleep without being in chains, which is like this really weird line. Do you think that's a lie or true? I I, I think I, it's a lie. I don't. I think it's true. I think there's. I think there's something going on here in a metaphorical sense. They also like come upon this like group of Tennessee settlers who all died from the yellow fever, and Homer, the little boy, finds a banjo and tries to start playing it. It, it just. There's this like absurdity to this final episode for halfway through the season that um, I just found really unsettling. And yeah, it's a very disquieting and emotional. Like I said, it's it's hard to binge. This show is a slow uh, but necessary burn. Yeah, I, I didn't find it slow. I felt like the pace moved really well. This episode made me think, though that Ridgeway the slave catcher is is the very clear foil and almost almost as much as a main character as Cora um in yeah, in the series as far as like the development that's going on but we also know that Barry Jenkins is not afraid to kill a motherfucker so yeah. i'm i'm interested to see if if or slash when Ridgeway is going to be killed or i don't know is Cora going to be the one that kills him i don't know i'm hopeful because you know, in the ways that are counter to like how a couple of shows that we've talked about have been mishandled in the past. I fully trust Barry Jenkins with everything in me because he 
because Moonlight is a slow burn, but he is very delicate. He handles things with care, and uh, he always teaches me something when I watch his art. And you know, slave noir is like a genre that, like I said, I don't, I don't want to have to watch ever again. But I know Barry Jenkins is gonna, you know, show up, yeah, and it, educate. It's and it's not like this slasher kind of film. So the way that chapter five ends is that um, Jasper dies and sort of like thrown off the the wagon. And that when the credits roll, though. It's Jap- Jasper's voice that's singing the final song. Yeah. And so I think like so much of when we learn about slavery is like, see how terrible this was. And what I think Barry Jenkins is doing, he's saying, see how terrible this was, but let's also remember even Big Anthony, like as Big Anthony is dying, he's cursing the master and we're seeing it through his eyes. Yeah. And so there's this idea of not only like this is terrible, but also remembrance as well. Yeah. And like honoring the people who have who have died. And I, this is this is what the show is coming. It's phenomenal. So it is. we I don't mean, have very many sides. I, I look at the show and I was like, wow, I'm and, you know, it, it's very hard as black people and a black woman, especially to constantly hear like, you're so strong, you're so resilient, you're so whatever. But I I look at a piece of work like this and I'm like, I come from. I'm the descendant of some of the strongest, most overcoming, like resilient people in the world. Because, and and Barry Jenkins affirms that and gives us hope that this suffering won't always last. I think the only side that I have is that Colson mm-hmm. Whitehead has written a lot of novels, like I said. Mm-hmm. It just seems that when a really great author writes something about slavery. That's the book it's that like, seems it's like to get green picked lit. up. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, oh. I'm They're like, like hey, could... I have a really great idea. I'm a new black author. No, no, no. It's about slaves. Like, and they're like, hey, get yes, in here. Yes, please. I don't know. Maybe that's my imagination. I feel like The Intuitionist could have also been a really cool series. Yeah, like, I've heard really great things about the Nickel Boys, too. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my only sigh, but hey, whatever. Well, Ben, with that being said, why don't you warp up the show, babe? In conclusion, uh, watch The Underground Railroad. Please don't binge it. Uh, sit with it and journal about it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Sci. Next week for episode 37, we'll be finishing the Underground Railroad series on Amazon Prime. So we'll be watching episodes 6 through 10. Again, this is directed by Barry Jenkins, written by Colson Whitehead, and we cannot wait to wrap up this incredible series. Also, once again, if you have been enjoying the Sci-Fi Sci, be sure to write us a review on Apple Podcasts and join our Patreon. You can find our Patreon and all of our links on social media at the Sci-Fi Side Podcast. We will see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.